Hello, welcome back. <laughs> this is Genuine Discourse. I'm Sam. This is Barrett. Say hi. Hi. And this week we have a special, special, special guest. <laughs> she is very special to me. <laughs> and I've known her forever. Can anyone guess? It's not Noelle. It's Rebecca! <laughs> Rebecca Gonzalez. Yes, it's um great. She's finally on the podcast. Um yeah. <laughs> well, we've technically been in process for a while. We just really spaced things out. But um yeah, really excited. Um Becca is gonna speak a little bit on well actually for the most of the episode, this is kind of the the theme on her personal experience with her religion catholicism so um we are gonna ask her some questions and have some good discourse on that um we actually already tried to record the intro but it got cut off halfway right before i introduced becca and becca has an interesting theory for this so she's gonna explain it okay yeah so this happens pretty often with a lot of catholic speakers um, right before they record something, their equipment will go out or a lot of times on their way to an event or a talk, they'll get in a car accident or a plane crash or not a plane crash. Don't worry. That hasn't happened, <laughs> but their plane will get canceled. <laughs> Wait, that hasn't happened that I know of guys. Um, and then I was telling them that there's been a few Catholic movies I've seen in theaters that they'll go out randomly and the lights start flickering and the movie goes out and there's no explanation. So I just think it's spiritual attack, that's all. <laughs> so here we are, round two, going for it. <laughs> all right, um, and I'm just gonna ask Barrett if she has any notes before we close the intro. Nope, let's take a short second and then get back to it. All right, perfect, short second. We're back. So we're just going to begin by getting Becca's backstory. She was born into Catholicism. And I think we just want her to explain what that was like and her experience, you know, in the earlier part of her life with that. Cool. Yeah. So among Catholics, we call it cradle Catholic. <laughs> You're born into it in a, in a cradle. <laughs> yeah. So I'm a cradle Catholic. <laughs> um, I was baptized when I think I was three months old. Yeah. So born and raised Catholic. I went to Catholic school my entire life, actually, until college. Um, yeah, that's kind of just the groundworks for it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. All right. Great. Um, so now that leads us to our next question, which is, since you were raised Catholic, at what point did you really self-identify as Catholic, like wholeheartedly? Like, when did you really start to believe that you were one? Mm-hmm. Um, I think so in middle school, I started having doubts about the faith and just kind of understanding what it was that I actually believed in. Um, so that's when it kind of began of some questioning, but still identified as Catholic. And then in high school, there was just a few experiences that happened. And I really, I think I was really peeved at God <laughs> and I was pretty pissed. And yeah. instead of turning to him in that time, I will describe it as just kind of turning away during yeah. that point mm -hmm. not from the teachings itself but i just didn't care yeah. like it was more of a not like i rebelled and went against everything but i just rebelled against not rebel but just didn't care mm -hmm. <laughs> um and then 
I was like that for about four years. And then after my freshman year of college, I went on a mission trip. And on the mission trip, I encountered Christ for really the first time personally. And that's when I kind of chose it for myself and started exploring faith and relationship with Jesus. Um, and then identified again as a full-hearted Catholic. Can I ask a question? Um, can you tell us about your encounter in Ecuador? Because I would love to hear about that. Yeah. So um, the story's kind of funny. So it was a Catholic mission trip, but I didn't want to go on one because I wasn't really practicing the faith. <laughs> but two of my friends from high school, we all had a pretty hard freshman year in college, just like a hard transition, you know, mm-hmm. how it goes. Um, and they were like, oh, let's go on a fun summer adventure. And then on this, like, we'll just have a good time. It will like kind of reset us, whatever. So we heard about an organization. It's now the organization I work for <laughs> um, that offers Catholic mission trips. And we knew about it because the founders kids went to our high school. So we signed up for that. I lied on the application talking about how I'm super Catholic. <laughs> um, got accepted. And then I went to Ecuador. Um, and while I was in Ecuador, we were pretty much homeless with some homeless people in Ecuador. So we went to a really rural town up in the mountains. Literally all of them are homeless. They live in like little shacks. Um, And we just kind of encountered the people and then did whatever they needed us to do. So the main priority they wanted for us to do was to build them a soccer stadium in their (laughs) town. (laughs) Yeah. So, which is a concrete soccer stadium. So we did that. (laughs) Um, But that was super important to them. And then we built a church for them as well because that was really important um, for the community to be have a place to gather. Mm-hmm. So we did that. And on the mission trip, I think there are like three main points where I can now recall where Jesus is working in my heart. Mm-hmm. The first one was through the people we were serving. So the people of Ecuador, they just took us into their shacks <laughs> um, and accepted us and loved us and gave us anything really. And it was just crazy that I couldn't offer anything back to them, but they loved me and they gave me like everything they had. They gave me clothes because I did not bring the right clothes for this mission trip. I didn't think it'd be that cold. (laughs) Um, They fed us every day. They were just so loving, especially the little kids. They called me La Chica de Fuega, girl on fire. And they asked me literally every day if my hair was painted. (laughs) So I was the first redhead they'd ever seen. Yeah, so that was fun. So just the people I encountered, I saw a love that I haven't experienced before through them. Um, And then there was a missionary on, a Catholic missionary on the trip. And she had a joy that I'd never seen before, but I knew I'd been searching for that joy and that freedom. And I asked her one day, like, what, why, how? (laughs) Um, And she just said I had a personal relationship with Christ. And I literally did not get that. And my response was, Jesus is dead. That doesn't make sense. (laughs) And she was like, oh, honey, (laughs) okay. (laughs) So you did lie (laughs) on the application. So that happened. Um, But seeing just her joy authentically lived, I was like, "Hmm, there's something special that I want with that. And then the third and most dramatic way, we went to a sanctuary one weekend, and at the sanctuary, it's like a very holy place in Ecuador, the tale goes that Mary, the mother of God, appeared to a sculptor and said, I'm going to show you what my son looked like exactly on the cross, and I want you to build a sculpture in his honor. Um, so the sculptor said, yes, of course. 
Then she built it. It was struck down by lightning. And then Mary reappeared to the artist and said, that's not what I showed you. And the artist said, well, it's too gory. Like, I don't think people can actually handle what he looked like on the cross because you usually just see like a little man on a cross. Um, And then Mary replied, no, I need you to build it exactly how I show you. And whoever comes here with an honest heart all guard their faith for the rest of their life. So she rebuilt it. It's now a huge sanctuary in Ecuador that a lot of people go to for pilgrimages and stuff. And I went there. And it was the first time really seeing Jesus on the cross, how he accurately looked like very bloody, naked, and just like bones sticking out everywhere. Um, And it really just hit me that I had done that to him through like just denying him and just not caring about him anymore. And I never, yeah, I was like very ashamed, I guess. Not that he was shaming me, but I was shaming myself for not choosing him. And I couldn't even look at the image anymore. But right next to the image is an image of Mary. And I just apologized for her to doing this to her son. And I was like, this is your little baby boy. Like, this is your actual child. I'm so sorry. Like, I I just haven't cared about him. I'm so sorry. And I just felt like a very comforting, warm presence. And I felt a lot of peace come over me. And then it almost felt like someone was turning my shoulders back to look at the cross and in that moment is I can't describe it really it's not of this world Mm -hmm. but it was my first encounter of like really feeling the love and mercy of God and just like the most free and joyful and peaceful and incredible feeling I've ever had in my life it's just not of this world and I knew it was just like God officially revealing himself to me Um, And that was the moment I said, okay, I'm yours for the rest of my life. I'm yours. Whatever you want of me, I'll do, and I'm going to follow you. So that's dramatic, but (laughs) that's my encounter with Jesus. (laughs) Totally. I think that's really beautiful. It makes sense. It would have to, I feel like, for you, because, you know, knowing you for so long, especially, you know, since then has been such a big part of your life and has meant so much to you. And I feel like it makes sense that it was something dramatic and special and intense that like drew you in and kept you you know I feel like it would have to be yeah I always say too that like God had to take me out of every comfort I had known and literally take me across the country Mm -hmm. to a different country (laughs) and that's how he could reveal himself because here I don't think I would have ever been that open to receiving him or even, yeah, I was just always so distracted or would do other things to not even think about him and block it out. So I think he really removed me from my situation and allowed me to be open and pour out so much that he could pour back into me. Yeah, absolutely. No. Well, I just think that that's really beautiful. And, you know, I... I personally like through knowing you. You've you've definitely given me a new perspective on Christianity and Catholicism cuz you're the way you practice it is so full of like love and acceptance and like you really just do want people to be happy and be who they are and feel accepted. So you've definitely changed my perspective, you know, a lot. Like through seeing you, the way you practiced it cuz I've met other people who don't <laughs> and they're kind of trash. <laughs> yeah. So I, you know, you've really opened up my eyes in that regard. 
Yes. As we were talking about, yeah, my friend Alana, she obviously had a really bad experience with a Catholic church in Boulder. And they basically like shunned her because she was gay and like told her to push it down. And then she ended up taking her life. So because of that, I obviously have like a visceral reaction. But yes, I know you and I know how loving you are. And I mean, I'm not really religious, but I believe that God would want people to be loving and accepting of all people. Do you have like experience with that kind of thing? Yeah. um, I have a visceral reaction to that too. (laughs) And when things like that happen, because it's not actually Catholic teaching. Yeah. Yeah, there's a few things that come to mind. First, Sam, what you were talking about, how people don't practice like love and acceptance. I just think that I always think at CSU, there was that guy, he would hold a giant cross and he would scream at people. And one of the things he would say, he wasn't Catholic, he was Christian, but there's a difference really quick. Yeah, Yeah. so you can be, all Catholics are Christian, but not all Christians are Catholic. So just to disclaimer that. So this Catholic preacher anyways was screaming at people and then he told a girl who just like came out to him and was like well I'm gay what do you think of that and he said to like light herself on fire because she's gonna burn in hell and I got so mad and I went and got a box and I stood in front of him and I was like (laughs) this is not the truth (laughs) I'm like this is not what Jesus believes (laughs) and I was so mad um so (laughs) I have a visceral reaction as well um and it's really tragic that that happens and it's like what is mainstream knowledge but what's not mainstream knowledge is that the catholic church doesn't believe in conversion therapy um that's not what priests or religious are ever supposed to tell someone who um is gay and yeah it's just like really tragic when that type of thing happens and it's also something that you would I've had multiple people come out to me and I have never once been like, we'll push it down. It's like, okay, this is part of your story. So let's talk about it. And like, you're obviously not only accepted in my church, but you like belong in my church. It's not that I'm going to tolerate you. It's that you have a place, a very specific place and you are invited always. And there's no shame because yeah, that's how, that's the official Catholic church teaching. Yeah. (laughs) Mm -hmm. That's so cool. Good. I'm really glad to hear that. I mean, that's what I've heard for like real Catholics who like want to just love and accept everyone. Makes so much sense. Yeah. What about you, Sam? (laughs) Well, yeah, I think that's the way it should be because like whenever I've heard of like the way God was described in like Christianity or Catholicism, it was like accepting and loving, especially like, you know, New Testament with Jesus. Like he died for your sins. Like you know, we're all accepted, we're all as children, you know, that was the sentiment you hear, and then you have, like, very, like, some really hateful people who are, like, using things and, like, twisting them around and being, like, you're going to hell, and yeah, I think just, it makes sense, like, if I, like, I I don't know what I believe in, like, kind of, like, I do believe in something bigger, but Mm -hmm. I I believe that that thing is made out of love, not hate, so I know you believe that. Yeah, I think it's also a shame that a few bad people, not a few, lots of bad people, uh-huh. I won't like just say it's a few, yeah. but a lot of bad men and women have like kind of tainted my faith's image and reputation yeah. when that's not what it is and that's not who the Catholic people are. Yeah. So 
it's just a bummer. Like it's just a big bummer that yeah. that is kind of how it's perceived now. Yeah. So that's why it's like I'm very appreciative to be on this yes. where it's like, oh, no, I can speak openly yeah. and show people that that's <laughs> not what we believe in. Yeah. <laughs> and those bad people have like ruined our reputation. Yeah. And I won't say the faith itself because I think the faith is always good. It's just the men who have, yeah, taken twisted it and yeah they just use their power and authority in a bad way yeah. and i think that's evil and i know yeah. after the alana situation i yeah. talked to a priest and he was like yeah that's evil that's yeah. like satan with that priest who yeah. like influenced her in that way Absolutely. that's not yeah. that's not our faith so yeah, yeah. <laughs> well that's amazing i think we're gonna um just take a quick break and then come right back bye All right, we're back. And one question that I'd ask, I'd like to ask Becca, <laughs> I'd ask to like Becca, <laughs> is, um, yeah, like if you had one of these people we were just talking about, you know, someone that's uh, kind of giving your faith a, a bad name, a bad rap, um, what's something you would say to them? Yeah, that's a good question. I think there's a few ways to approach it because you have to be a little sensitive to where they're coming from. Um, I think the older generation comes from a very rigid background with my faith where it's more rule-based instead of relationship-based. Um, but then younger people who still are kind of just negative <laughs> and have these, um, yeah, just opinions. I think that's where it gets a little trickier where I think it it is, I'd say, my responsibility and like through the virtue of justice to actually tell them that's wrong um and that's not what our faith believes in so i think the first thing i would say to someone though is like where does this come from and then i'd tell them where does this come from secondly um what does your relationship with jesus look like and third do you know the actual teachings of the church because those are the three like big questions to kind of counter that i think um because i think a lot of it comes from people having negative experiences or just like bad teachings. Mm -hmm. And then a lot of it comes from a lack of relationship, which is at the core of Catholicism. It's mm -hmm. relationship first, everything else second. Jesus. Yeah, with Jesus and God and the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. So that would come first. Um, and then through that relationship, I mean, you really shouldn't have these beliefs. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't make sense. <laughs> and then if you get to know his church, Jesus's church of Catholicism, it really doesn't make sense. That's not in our teaching. So yeah. <laughs> I would just have a conversation with them about that. <laughs> I would just uh, have a little talking to with them. So um, I don't know if this question's too redundant, but I guess we kind of did cover this. It was just how has your religion, your relationship to your religion evolved throughout your life? Would you like to expand a little on that? Yeah. So obviously in college, that's when I had like the big encounter. Mm -hmm. Um, after that, yeah, we call this, like, my story is called a testimony, but I always say a testimony isn't just one story. It's ongoing. I'll always continue to have one until I die. Because yeah. um, you always have new experiences with Jesus and new things that you learn. And, yeah, the relationship I have with him will never just flatline. It will always go deeper and deeper and deeper until eventually he can call me home into his kingdom. So... 
I think it's just evolved in so many ways. <laughs> I think at first I was on like cloud nine, having a crazy experience. And I'm like, woo, this is incredible. Yeah, in Ecuador. And then got home and was like, oh my gosh, I'm so Catholic. And then you're like, ah, this is actually kind of hard. <laughs> um, so then that's where the real work began of actually nurturing and fostering a relationship that's different. (laughs) That's a lot harder. And it's just like any other relationship. It takes work and intentionality and just like a lot of vulnerability and honesty. So it's just evolved in that way. And I think right now I'd describe our relationship, Jesus and I, our, (laughs) as a very sober love. Like it's a very sobering love that brings me into reality, which allows me to experience a lot of feelings I'm going through and a lot of hardships, but also being able to fully trust and rely on him, which I really have a hard time with because it's just hard to trust in the unknown. So we battle that one out pretty constantly, (laughs) but that's okay because that's what he wants. (laughs) So (laughs) we're still working on that, (laughs) but it's evolved because it's actually sober. It's not just like I choose this because you gave me all these warm, good feelings. It's like, oh no, those warm, good feelings have kind of faded, but I still choose you and I love you and I know that you love me. So we're going to put in the work together and we're going to go for it. I have a question. Um, How do you work on your relationship with God? Because that's so interesting to me that that's like actual stuff that you're doing. (laughs) Imagine. (laughs) No, that's a good question. It's it's weird. (laughs) Um. Yeah, I think making time for prayer every day is the biggest one and honestly the hardest. It's hard to intentionally set aside a time to just sit and be with God, especially when you can't feel him all the time. It's a weird concept, but I do believe that God is always in the present moment and he's in the reality. Um, So I work on my relationship with just being very honest and open and really bringing my heart to prayer that's the biggest thing Mm -hmm. is yeah I could be present in a church praying and I could look super holy but my heart in my head could be like I want pizza (laughs) and not like in the relationship or my heart could be there and it's like okay Lord I'm struggling I'm hurting here's why Uh I just need to talk to you um here's why I'm mad at you or why is this or you just talk to him like a normal person yeah And sometimes you'll hear things back. Sometimes you won't. Sometimes it's just all different. It just depends on how he knows you need him the most. Um, And a lot of times that's through other people too. So I really hear like his love and his message through friends, family, Mm -hmm. TV. Like it could be anything. He uses all things. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Something I found really interesting, like, I started looking more into Buddhism as my friend Keller went to a monastery to become a monk. I know. Shout out Keller. I think you actually did listen to our first episode and he's like, you guys are so goofy. We love you, Kel. (laughs) I know. Hopefully uh, you can take some time and listen to this Keller. But yeah, as he kind of got more into Buddhism, I I was intrigued by it. And I also got a minor in religious studies and something that like really drew my attention because a teacher in one of my college classes ended up having us like meditate for like the first 15 minutes. Mm-hmm. And so I've, I've really gotten more into meditating like for the past three years. I've like really dabbled with it. I go through phases where I'm good, whatever. Um, also not, I haven't meditated in a while now, but I'll get back in it. But something that like, since I became more aware of like meditation and honestly the 
like idea of self-awareness. Like I remember you, me and Noel were going to Alfalfa's and you were talking about prayer and your experience with prayer. And I'm like, oh my God, this is such a good way to build self-awareness. Like it's such a smart, like it is a meditation. Like my grand, my granddad is, he's Christian and he calls it his morning meditations. Like when he prays Mm -hmm. and it's such a good way to be quiet with yourself and have like an intentional form of silence and like thoughtfulness about what's going on in your life and what you need help with Mm -hmm. and what you're struggling with Mm -hmm. and what's going well and gratitude and it's so crazy because I've it never clicked until like we were in the car. But it's such a important thing that I think everyone should do to some extent, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. yeah, prayer is essentially meditation, yeah. and we even have like we call it the spiritual meditations. Yeah. <laughs> so in Catholicism, that's the main form of prayer is mental meditation and mm-hmm. just quieting yourself to hear the voice of God. Um, and yeah, you just do you want to become more self aware because. Yeah. God doesn't want to be distant from you. He wants to be like right next to you all the time. He wants to hear every single thought you have. Mm -hmm. He loves you. Like he delights in every single thing you do and he just loves you. So it's, I always describe it like a father watching a little kid just like play outside Mm -hmm. in their own little imaginary world. And the father literally is just like laughing and beaming with joy. That's That's how he looks at you in prayer and in life. He just like beams being with you. Mm -hmm. So It is just like very helpful to have that time. We call it a holy hour or I call it a holy hour every day to just like sit down and quiet your thoughts, which can be super hard. (laughs) Um, And I think that's another form of kind of what we talked about. Spiritual attack is a lot of distractions coming into your head and a lot of things blocking. Um, But I always picture myself. Fun meditation tip, everyone, (laughs) is walking down a spiral staircase. And as you walk down, look at the wall and picture every distraction coming into your head. And you, like, notice it, you accept it, and then you move past it. So I'll just say, oh, I'm thinking about pizza. I've used this because I ate that tonight. (laughs) But, (laughs) like, oh, I'm really hungry for that. Hmm, Okay, well, I don't really need to think about that currently. So moving on. And you just keep walking down until you can really quiet your thoughts and then yeah you're aware of like hmm is my chest tight that usually is a sign I'm really anxious why am I anxious okay God can you help reveal this to me like just going into that with him because he wants to heal you he doesn't he loves all his children too much to leave you unhealed Mm -hmm. um which is a very counter popular belief about God Mm -hmm. but yeah he he loves you too much to leave you alone and leave you unhealed And sometimes it sucks because he has to bring you through some negative things Mm -hmm. (laughs) to make you aware that you're kind of self self reliance and you're, yeah, just not making that time. But he's kind of just knocking and he's like, hey, you feel lonely? Yeah, you haven't come to me. And I'm like, you're right. (laughs) (laughs) Like, okay, I'm going to come to you now. And here we are. (laughs) That's prayer. (laughs) That's so cool. Yeah, it just blew me away that like. Yeah, I just really like thought praying was just being like, because we'd pray every night before dinner and be like, dear God, thank you for our food. Thank you for our family. Like, amen. (laughs) And so that's like what I thought of prayer for a really long time. And I'm like, wait, this is like an active practice of self-awareness and gratitude and, you know, yeah, like meditating. And it was really, yeah, it was really enlightening to me. I'm really like it gave me a whole new respect because it's so hard to do that. And like, that's what prayer is really honestly blew my mind. Uh I was like, wow, shout out to you guys. (laughs) (laughs) 
so another question we have is, um, do you have any doubts and how do you deal with those doubts? Yes. <laughs> Anyone who says they don't have doubts is lying. But <laughs> I think my doubts stem from my own insecurities and my own hardships going on in my own life. Mm-hmm. So like the question of suffering, that's the biggest question I think we get all the time is like, if God loves you, why would he allow suffering to happen? Mm-hmm. And that's super valid. And I still go back to that all the time. Like literally this morning and praying, I'm like, why? <laughs> um, but then I've also just lived enough life to know that God has a reason and he knows greater than I do. And I have to continue trusting in his plan. So I deal with doubts in probably a pretty childish way, but it's pretty honest. And I just get really mad at God and I just tell him and I'm like, yeah, I don't get it. And I'm pretty mad that you're not showing me. And this is super frustrating. Um, And then I take counsel in good people or friends or family. But yeah, I'm pretty honest. There's uh, also one of my favorite meditations that I do with God quite often when I have doubts is pretending to wrestle him (laughs) because that happened in the Old Testament with Jacob and an angel came down and God and him wrestled with Jacob and they fought and fought and fought. Jacob eventually won and God gave up and was like, okay, you're heard. And so I do that quite often where I'm like, dude, come on, (laughs) we're going to wrestle this out because I'm pissed (laughs) and I don't get it and I'm really mad at you and I know you can take it and eventually I'll calm down, but I need to get my energy out on you. So we wrestle a lot. (laughs) And that's honestly what my my spiritual director, who's a priest that just mentors me and helps me grow in my faith, he always tells me, he's like, you need to get angry with God because until you're angry and honest with him, you're not going to heal or forgive anything in yourself and other people and God. And I'm like, ugh. You're right. <laughs> yeah, it's hard, but doubts is it's a whole <laughs> it's <a> big thing. <laughs> it's rough, but I just think, yeah, I know enough about God and I trust him enough to know that he'll get me through and it's okay to doubt. And I think that's a huge thing that people also also struggle with is they think it's like sinful to doubt him and it's like, no, it's not. He actually wants you to be honest and that's what relationships are. Mm-hmm. It's like, have you ever doubted when you're dating someone? Yeah. Probably. So you talk to them about it. So that's what I'm doing with Jesus. <laughs> Wait, I have a random question. Um, when you picture yourself wrestling <laughs> with God, do you have an image of him in mind? And what is it? That's a good question. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so usually the easiest attainable image I have of Jesus is from The Passion, the movie. The actor is Jim Caviezel, so I picture him a lot of the time. (laughs) Sorry, Jim. (laughs) Um, So that's the easiest one for me to imagine. But then God the Father, I have a specific image for him just because of an experience in prayer that I've had where he kind of revealed himself to me. So I have a different idea of what he looks like. So yeah, does, does that make sense? Yes, but you just also brought up another question. I was not raised religious at all. I really have almost no idea about anything. Um, so I hear the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit slash Holy Ghost. Can you explain like in simple terms like how this happens and not why? Because not simple, Okay, <laughs> in the simplest terms you can think of. <laughs> this is so brutal. <laughs> 
yeah, it's almost impossible to explain, except it's three people, one person. Uh-huh. So it's so th- like three and one. <laughs> kind of. <laughs> if that's a way to understand it. Uh-huh. Okay, so easiest way is when a man and woman they have sex uh-huh. what does it produce a child a child yeah. and usually when a man and woman have sex they really love each other most of the time hopefully <laughs> but that usually results like when people love each other something always stems from it so in like the physical act of like sex it's a child so the easiest way to describe father son and holy spirit is there's god the father there's the son they have perfect love for each other and that love has to create something mm. like perfect love can't produce something not produce something okay. so even with your friendship with someone it's yeah. like when you guys have a good thing going it produces something uh-huh. you know yeah, so yeah. it's the same with god and jesus had such perfect love that something had to come of it and that's the holy spirit oh cool so it's like their love child <laughs> that's what i'll say that's so good. i picture it as a triangle yeah the trinity, yeah, the trinity. <laughs> yeah. cool no, I'm good. That that was very good, simple terms. I like it. There you go. That was definitely the best explanation I've ever heard. <laughs> yeah, it's a hard one. <laughs> it is, yeah. It's definitely hard to wrap your head around for sure. Like I, yeah, took a Christianity class and they're like, this is one of the biggest things in <laughs> theology. Like there is, you can philosophize for days and, you know, who knows what's going to come from it. Yeah. <clears throat> Yeah, we are actually going to take a quick break, but we'll be right back. Okay, next question is that we know you do work with the Catholic Church. I don't know what the best way to put that is. So tell us about your job. Yes, so I am a Catholic missionary and the organization I work for for, for is called FOCUS, and it stands for Fellowship of Catholic University Students. So the organization is a Catholic apostolate. Um, What's that? It's just pretty much like a mission field. Okay. So some Catholic apostolates like go out and serve the homeless or okay. those type of things. Yeah. So we serve college students. Mm-hmm. Um so you go to training and then it's kind of like a sorority bid situation where wow. you get an envelope and it tells you where you're going. Wow. And I got placed at the University of Utah in Salt Lake. So I've been there going back for now my third year, oh, cool. which is nuts. That is nuts. Wow. That's crazy. So can you tell us a little bit more about like the actual, like, what are you doing? Like, what's your day to day? Like, what's the purpose? Um yeah, just elaborate a little bit on that. Yeah, so it's a very relational-based ministry, which just means exactly what it sounds. Yeah. <laughs> we just create relationships with people. Mm-hmm. Um, the day-to-day is pretty flexible, which I love. Mm-hmm. It's a lot of just being with people and providing people a space to be themselves. Um, so my job is kind of to be a professional friend (laughs) to a lot of college students and help them grow in their faith. Um, But again, it's not like, I don't know if I became friends with someone who's not Christian or Catholic, it's not like, Oh, you're out, you know, it's I'm friends with anyone. That's my job is to like love all. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of what I do is just hang out with people and intentionally 
walk and invest in them and kind of help them grow in their faith or whatever they're going through, just be someone to help them with that. Uh, I pray with people a lot. And then I lead Bible studies, small groups, all of that. Um, so it's kind of the basis of what I do. That's awesome. Uh, how much longer do you think you're going to want to be a missionary? I know you're in grad school right now. Congrats. That's a big deal. Yes. But like, where do you um see your future going? And actually, I know, I think, because we've talked about it. <laughs> but I'll let you. <laughs> Sorry. I'll... Yeah, I'll let you explain it. And yes. <laughs> yes, you do know. But um, I don't know how much longer I'll do this. I thought this was going to be my last year, but then Jesus made it very clear that I needed to stay again how? in prayer. It was wow. just very clear when, well, first, a big thing is I have a lot of anxiety and depression in my life already. And when I'm really anxious about something, it's usually God telling me yes or no to a situation. Oh, um, and I was trying to apply for other jobs and get out and do a bunch of other things. And I just felt so anxious. And I was like, is this just me freaking out or is this an actual thing I'm not uh, supposed to do? So I was praying about that and I was not open to receiving an answer for a long time. Cause I was like, yeah, I want to leave. I don't want to do this. It's pretty hard. It's exhausting being there for someone all the time. Yeah. It's worth it, but it's hard. And then I just heard very clearly in prayer, mm. the Lord just say, sit and stay. And I was like, shoot, dang. Okay. <laughs> We're staying. <laughs> um, so the plan as of now is another year of this. Mm -hmm. And then I'll leave, get a job related to the counseling realm because I'm in grad school for counseling cool. and then continue on that path. But I'm always open to what God tells me. So, I mean, God could tell me to be a religious sister tomorrow and I'd do it. So it's oh, yeah. <laughs> everyone who can't see Sam's face just cringed just so hard. When you told me about the cloister nuns, I had like a horrible nightmare of what I like pictured that being and it scared me for <laughs> okay cloistered everyone who doesn't know for religious is so there's sisters and then there's nuns cloistered nuns are the ones who usually will never see people again and they go and the, the rest of their life is spent in prayer and solitude and like the sound of music nuns yeah like the sound of music nuns uh -huh. but except in sound of music she got to leave that never happens with oh, cloisters yeah. but <laughs> Um, yeah, that's cloistered. And then the, the sisters that you see walking around in the habits and stuff, those are sisters, not nuns, because they're actually out in the world doing their apostolate. So mm -hmm. doing their mission field. Um, that's what they are. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah, I know you want to incorporate your religion with your counseling. Can you talk a little bit about that? Because that's, I think that's cool. Yeah. So... I got into counseling – well, I got into counseling before my faith kind of, mm -hmm. which is a whole weird thing on its own. <laughs> but I I really think that both need to be incorporated together. Like I think it needs to be intertwined, spirituality and um, counseling and psychology. And I really want to incorporate it into my practice one day, spe specifically with Catholicism or Christianity, just because – God's God, like as I said, He loves you too much to leave you unhealed. Well, there's ways that He wants to heal you, and a lot of ways is through other people. So I think through counselors, through medication, through friends, through prayer, 
all of these ways. Um, So I want to integrate that into my practice just because, yeah, I believe like every person has a vocation here on earth. And that doesn't mean just like a, like it's a calling, a vocation is a calling. So that doesn't normally, most people hear vocation and they think like marriage or um, religious life in the Catholic realm. But I just mean a calling in general. Uh And I want to help people in that walk and I want to help people get through the hardships because it sucks (laughs) to do it alone. And God didn't design us to be alone. He designed us to be in relationship with him and with others. So that's kind of what I want to incorporate. And then I think long-term, which you know, is to run my own like Christian or Catholic based day program facility for individuals with um, intellectual or developmental disabilities and then offer services for the family members because they're often very underserved. So that's the the main goal. But yeah, Barrett. <laughs> yeah. So for the people who don't know, which they do because they know us probably, <laughs> I work with people with disabilities, IDD. That's so cool. Have you worked with that population before? Okay. Tell me more. Yeah. Um, there's you might know it actually, Foothills Gateway in Fort Collins. No, I so I worked there in college and it's just a day program facility for adults with intellectual and developmental disabilities. And there's different rooms depending on functionality and everything. Uh-huh. And I worked in multiple of the rooms and it was really funny because when I was there, my heart was like set on fire. Like I loved it so much and I yes. knew like God called me to that. But then I also knew before I could do that, he really wanted me to be a missionary and I was so torn and I was like, ah, this is so hard, but you can incorporate it. So yeah, so missionary now and then later, I'd like to serve those individuals and that population is just so neglected. So they need help and I would really like to offer them that and their families because that's also really hard. And eventually one day I want to foster an adult. That's a whole different thing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, that's so cool because, yeah, you're right. There's not enough support. So that's cool. Just like as many things to help people with developmental disabilities just like be a bigger part of like just everyone as a whole, like integration and stuff. So that's good to hear. I don't have any more questions about that. Thanks. <laughs> I just totally forgot that that was <clears throat> both so important to both of you. <laughs> I'm like, wait, it clicks like both of you because I've known that separately, like about both of you for a really long time and I just totally forgot. Yeah. Oh my gosh. And it makes sense. Like you have to be a selfless, like kind person and both of you are. So good on you. You don't have to be. Yeah. I guess you can be evil. (laughs) No. No, many people don't want to like help others especially like others that like they view as so different so i think it's a really special like i just think it's really noble thing you guys are doing the lord's work (laughs) is what i'd say (laughs) indeed um so we were gonna say this was gonna be our last question but i actually have a question after this just to let you guys know because that was our plan so our second to last question is who's your favorite saint and why? Because Becca's the one who taught me about saints and that you could pray to different saints. Like if you lose something, you pray to the saint, oh, Saint Anthony. That, yeah. yeah. So Becca has a lot of knowledge on this. So who's your favorite saint? Oh no, I have so many saints. They call them my saint squad. But <laughs> <laughs> um, for people who don't know saints, really quick, saints are just people that we believe are in heaven and can intercede for us. So 
it's like when I'm going through a hard time and you ask someone for prayers, it's just extra prayers and they're pretty close to God because we believe they're in heaven. So it's like a nice little direct line of like, hey, uh-huh. really help me out, <laughs> make him listen. Um, well, he's already listening, but you know, make him, I want this. So as St. Anthony is the patron saint of lost things. So that's when you lose something, you pray to him. Um, and to choose one is so hard. I feel like I'm betraying my squad, but <laughs> it's probably St. Faustina. She's the one I feel very connected to. Um, oh no. And St. John Paul II. Gotta do it. <laughs> I'll do a guy and a girl because that's fair. So <laughs> those two saints are actually both from Poland and St. Faustina was a cloistered nun in Poland. And if you've ever heard of Divine Mercy, she's the one who really fostered all of that and Jesus would appear to her often really interesting read is her diary because she wrote everything that Jesus said to her what she was going through what Mary said to her what other saints said to her she had visions all the time so she's a big one she I'm really connected to her because she struggled with mental health a lot and I struggle with mental health a lot and she also was very honest in her prayers um, just how I said that's really important because yeah. she would just be like, <laughs> she's so dramatic. I love it. And she would be like, God, why have you abandoned me? You hate me. Uh, don't do this to your bride. <laughs> and I always thought it was so cute. And I was like, oh my gosh, so much drama. Me too. <laughs> um, so I love her. <laughs> and Jesus really loved her too. Okay. Funny story about her though is in her journal, she talked about she was praying one night and there was a huge storm and the sisters and her convent were like close all the windows and she was freaking out and she was like jesus your daughter is very tired and wants to sleep and doesn't want a storm so please calm the storm and he was like okay and then she went and told all the sisters not to worry about closing their windows and they were like why why and then she said all the sisters questioned me but jesus and little faustina knew what was going to happen (laughs) and then the storm stopped (laughs) so so she's so drama but i love her (laughs) Yeah, she's so cute. Um, And then John Paul II was the Pope before Pope Francis. And I think he's incredible. And he had a huge heart for young people. He's actually the reason my organization started. So he's incredible. He's just very knowledgeable. Um, Have you guys, do you know like truth, beauty, and goodness? Like the transcendental, whatever. I don't know. I'm saying that wrong. It's like the big three of Catholicism kind of is beauty, truth, and goodness. And we're each drawn to one of those. Like our heart is naturally drawn to one of those more than the other usually. Mm -hmm. And mine is truth. His was truth, which was really cool. So I feel a connection with him because of that. Um, And he just has a crazy story too. So I just love him. And yeah. Other saint people, I have to do it. Shout out to St. Maximilian Colby oh. and St. Therese of Lisieux. They're good ones to look up as well. <laughs> yes. No. That's awesome. Yeah. It's it's really cool. And it's, you know, also, I feel like history, right? Like, these are real people, like, you know, just in outside of a religious context, you know, yeah. like, we're, we're real. But, um, yeah, always so funny. So interesting, these stories. Like, they're so cool. Like, they're so, you just can't. It's so creative. Like, it's just so crazy. Like, you, it's just so. Yeah, it's pretty wild to hear the stories. Yeah. If you want to hear more crazy stories, look up 
St. Faustina is a big one. Um, Padre Pio has some crazy stories. He would physically wrestle with the devil. So <laughs> he would, oh, and he had the stigmata. So if you've heard the stigmata is where you get the wounds of Christ from the crucifixion and they appeared on him all the time. So if you look up an image of him, you, you'll always see bloody bandages around his arm, um, his hands because he was always bleeding from the stigmata. Um, on Vikings, like yeah. the show. <laughs> no, yeah. There's like, okay, this is just off topic, but <laughs> in the show Vikings, there's this one guy who's a monk, I think. He was a monk, and they ended up taking him with them, and they were like using him for all this stuff, but then he started getting the, Stigmatic. yeah, he started having that. And so that's why I knew that. Okay, that's it. <laughs> that's incredible. <laughs> yeah, there's quite a few saints who had had that. Um, I'm trying to think of like really fun ones that had visions and stuff that you can look up. Oh yeah, Joan of Arc is a big one. I don't know if she, like, I think she did have visions when she was younger, but she's very human too. Talking about doubts, she has a really good story um, where she dealt with that. Let's see. Oh, St. Paul is like obviously a huge one who wrote most of the New Testament <laughs> in the Bible. He was an, an apostle, right? Yeah, he was after um, Jesus died, though. He's the only apostle that is in the official 12 that died or that came after Jesus died because he was actually a persecutor of Christians before. So he was the person who killed the first Christian, who was St. Sebastian. So, yeah, he's pretty crazy. His story's in the Bible. Check it out. (laughs) Just just go for it. Um, but they're insane. Also, just ask me more stories. I love talking about the saints. So anyone out there, <laughs> come to me and I will tell you everything. <laughs> yeah, you're very, very knowledgeable on this stuff. It's a, it's really fun and interesting to hear about, honestly. So one of, I feel like this should be the closing question. I didn't run it by you guys, so it could be edgy. That's okay. <laughs> All right. So um, it's what do you think is the greatest lesson from your religion or like the Bible or like any of the holy texts or the one that you want to like apply most to your life? Like if you could choose one. That's a really good question. That's a hard question I bet. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. I'm going to cheat on that a little bit. There's two things. <laughs> First, I would say – Well, they go hand in hand. The biggest lesson I could relate to that I would always point people to is the prodigal son in the Bible. That just emphasizes all of us. And the prodigal son, it's in Luke, I think. I could be wrong. I think it's Luke. Luke 5. (laughs) I think it's actually Luke 5.21. So try to check that out. I could be wrong, but it's called the prodigal son. And... It just talks about a son who leaves his father, took advantage of his father, and sold everything that his father gave to him, and he comes back, and the father isn't mad at him. He actually clothes him with his own cloak in front of everyone in the town, which would have been, like, crazy back in the day, Um, and he reclaims him as his own. So the biggest lesson is that God will never abandon you. He never shames you. He only loves you, and... He'll never turn away from you. You can turn away from him, but he'll never leave you. 
Um, so I would just challenge people to explore that. Mm-hmm. And I think also I'd challenge people with all the misconceptions, but also some of the, the teachings in the Catholic Church are hard to accept. And I would challenge people to first go to relationship with Christ and then move into those questions and mm-hmm. be very open-minded and just let your heart be open um, and allow the Lord to work because he wants to speak to you. So allow him to, and it will never be in like a shameful or judgmental way. It will only be in like a loving, positive, affirming who you are and who he created because he wants to be in a relationship with you. Mm-hmm. So that's the main message. Read the prodigal son, make yourself the prodigal son in the story, meditate on that, see what the Lord wants to say to you. Wow. All right. Thank you so much, Becca. So I guess yes. we're just going to do the closing statements, which is... What's the closing statement, Sarah? No, 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 no. We have to say thank you first. <laughs> I know, I know. We know our closing statement. Well, Wait, what do we call that? Oh, sign, uh, off. sign off. Yeah. Exactly. Um, so first of all, thank you so much, Becca, for coming on and being open and vulnerable. Mm-hmm. It's obviously, um, yeah, it's something really near to you and something really important to you. And so to talk so openly in public about it is really good. It's great. And I think it's really... Um, important for people to hear like what I've always known and someone from your faith that's so kind mm-hmm. and like open because not everyone gets the chance to meet someone like that. Yeah. So I think that's really important. So thanks Becca for coming on. Yes. I'll just echo that and say, I really appreciate it. <laughs> and I didn't know what this was going to be like, but I really am so happy you came on and shared such a different experience than what I've seen happen before. So it was really great and very interesting. So I appreciate it. Germany, thanks for listening <laughs> but also yeah thanks for inviting me because i was a little nervous but yeah i'm just appreciative that you guys were open to having this conversation yeah. and i got to talk about the thing i love most yeah. which is jesus so yeah. <laughs> thank you, you did a great job, yeah thank you. you killed it dude well and our sign off love you love you <laughs> Love you. (laughs) This is never going to die. All right. See you next time whenever we decide to do it again. Mm